Wolf and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Happy Friday, everybody. It's 10.01. The end of the week is here. I'm a little bummed out, Wolf. We don't have a big press conference today. Yeah, you got a little <laughs> spoiled yesterday. Is that what you're saying? Jonathan I, Gannon, of course, in the morning. And then look, everybody. It's KD. <laughs> man, oh, man. What it what, Now, Tim Ring filling in for, for Luke today with you up until 2 o'clock. Wolf, always happy to, to be in the chair next to you as we kind of digest. Uh, still, what happened on Thursday when you and Luke signed off, it was right before 2 o'clock. So you have not had a chance to really chime in on what KD had to say, nor have I, obviously. So we're going to get into that a little bit uh, today. Uh, talk about what happened with the Suns last night. That was not great. I walked out of that arena last night around midnight, Wolf, after doing the postgame show. Whoa. Trying to figure out what in the hell happened to our Phoenix Suns. We'll get into that a little bit later on as well. And uh, continuing to look at Jonathan Gannon and the staff he's going to put together as the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. But KD had this place buzzing yesterday. That was not a press conference. That was a pep rally. Boy, that and it was literally <laughs> a press conference where it was a pep rally. It, very, very difficult, of course. There were some audio issues, some sound issues they had going on where you'd have KD saying, could you repeat the the last part of that question, whatever it may be, there was some type some type of technical difficulties that were going on. Were you there? Did you did you actually see it? Were you the one actually causing the technical yeah, difficulties? No, I was. I, since I had to be at the arena till midnight last night, and the thing started at two o'clock, I actually watched it uh, streaming and and saw the difficulties. And <laughs> it's interesting. I I actually I liked the fact that season ticket holders were allowed in. I thought it was a celebration. I thought, I thought Kevin Durant at times was kind of taken back by the crowd, and as you said a couple of times, had to be he had to be like, "Hey, can you repeat the question?" And you know, there's there's the national media trying to find out what happened in Brooklyn, and you got the crowd booing. Yes, <laughs> and I'm sure some yes. of the national guys were like, "Oh my God, put a tent on this circus!" But all in all, uh, I thought Durant. I thought he came off great. I, I thought he showed some humility for a, a, a superstar, the, the, the superstar that he is. I love what he had to say about about Phoenix and why he's going to uh, be excited about playing here and why he wanted to play here, Wolf. I thought he said all the right things. I thought he didn't come off as, as arrogant or aloof. Uh, really humble. And I, really, that's kind of defined Durant's career. Despite all the success he's had, the championships, the MVP, He's always and he's been criticized for you know for for chasing rings with the Golden State thing. I get yeah, that, right. but he's always been he's always been a pretty cool dude. Yeah, you know. Once again, um, I, there are stories, there are whispers out there that I hear from guys that are in the business, um, analysts that I have an awful lot of respect for. That there's some drama hanging around Kevin Durant wherever Kevin Durant seems to go. There seems to be some drama. I I didn't think there was any drama whatsoever. Whatsoever yesterday, I thought he was was human. I thought he was organic. Yep. He was he was legit. That was my takeaway watching him because of some of the things he said to me because of the humility that he displayed. I I thought he was real yesterday, and that's 
all I I want from KD is the real. You know, before we get into why he had an eye on Phoenix, and it really goes back a, a few years. It wasn't just so much, hey, they went to the finals in 2021. That's a place I want to play. He's had his eye on the Suns for quite some time, and he's got a long relationship not only with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but also Monty Williams. I don't know how many Suns fans are aware of that relationship, but Wolf, you talk about a guy displaying some some realness, some authenticity up there in that press conference. Aaron, let's play the cut about his time in Brooklyn when Durant literally almost broke down and, and cried talking about how it went down in Brooklyn at the end of his time there in that borough. There was a lot of ups and downs, but I loved the grind. So, and everybody in Brooklyn loved the grind too. So I built a family over there. As they're gonna always be a part of my journey. Uh, so we didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish as far as winning the championship, just like I told him. But I enjoyed the grind, and everybody there. We tried our hardest every day, regardless of what was going on in the media, what was going on with our teammates. Everybody who's in that gym, we grinded. So I love those guys. I get emotional to talk about them because. That was a special four years of my career coming off of Achilles, and they helped me through a lot. So I don't have anything. Um, so, yeah, it was terrible how some stuff went down, but at the end of the day, I love the grind. And we all love the grind there in Brooklyn, and I wish them the best going forward. They got a bright future. Man, I see. I love that right there, Timmy. Just the way that he was so real. That is as real as it gets right there. And, and, and can I also say this, Mason O'Neill, as well, because the question was framed up, if, if I'm remembering this cor- correctly, the question was framed up that it was a failure in Brooklyn. That you that that it was a failure, and yet KD was focusing on everybody there, and we tried our hardest every day, regardless of what was going on. And he was saying that how could that be a failure? As long as we're trying as hard as we possibly could, that to me brought back so many, so many memories of what it was like to compete. Okay, now, um, KD is one of the most talented human beings on the face of the planet when it comes to playing the game of basketball. I had no talent. (laughs) My talent was I was going to try really hard, (laughs) really, really hard, and I was going to give what you were not willing maybe to give. That was my talent, based audience. Um, I'm not trying to compare myself to Kevin Durant, obviously, but being in that team paradigm, that team concept, if in fact, my young crunk brothers never forget this, if in fact you're out there and you're competing and you're giving everything that you've got, everything, and you lose, you didn't lose, dude. You didn't. You won. I know the expectations with KD are completely different, but that's what I, that's what I mean by real. He went back to that as well. Was it a failure when you have James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn? Yeah, I think everyone thought, you know what, if you're going to win a championship, and if you don't win a championship, that's going to be a failure right there. And I think ultimately there will be historians that will say as much. But Kevin Durant... It's not going to happen with Kevin Durant because he's thinking about him as a player going back to his roots. That's what I mean by being real, and I loved it. Kevin Durant and Monty Williams were together, Wolf, in Oklahoma City 
Uh, Monty was an assistant coach uh, for the Thunder in 2015 and 16 uh, on the Team USA national basketball team 2013-16, Durant was. And obviously Durant and Chris Paul were teammates uh, in that scenario as well. And then Chris Paul, excuse me, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, uh, teammates on Team USA as well. So there are relationships that go far back for Durant with the core group of this Phoenix Suns team. And Durant, obviously the whispers began last summer that Durant wanted to be a part of this Phoenix Suns team. That trade did not happen. Ultimately, it did. And Durant, who said he could feel the excitement in the city as soon as he stepped off the plane. Obviously, one of the first questions about Durant ending up in Phoenix was why? Why the Suns, KD? When did you first have your eye on this franchise? And why did you want to be a part of the core group here in Phoenix, Arizona? I was definitely involved. I mean, I, I felt like once I got into the league, I came in at 07. Phoenix was always one of the top teams in the league. Um, it only been a few years, actually, um, where they, you know, they weren't one of the top teams. So um, they always had a solid team. Somebody always respected. And when you came in here, this was a this was a battle. You know, you knew the crowd was going to be into it from the um, from the tip. And I think one of the one of the best teams, you know, since I've been in the league was that team that didn't make the playoffs that were like 45 and 37. I think with the Twins and P.J. Tucker, I think that was one of the teams that really sold me on. Like, all right, this is a this is a this is a destination to come play. This is a place that you know they really get behind their team. So, um, and, and also just the style of play that team had, I feel like that's always evolved in this the fast pace here in Phoenix. So um, that drew me here. You you know you always keep an eye out on organizations and teams throughout the league throughout your career. And this is one of the teams always and one of the cities always respected. And you know, I'm glad I was just able to come full circle when I'm here now. Yeah, and one of, one of the things Kevin Durant said about Devin Booker is, quote, he has a peer game. And, Wolf, before we hit the break, it's remarkable. Now, look, you can look at Devin Booker now and say, okay, he's been to the All-Star game a few times. He's been to the NBA Finals. He's been to the playoffs a few times. When Chris Paul said, I want to come play with Devin Booker, Devin Booker hadn't even been to the playoffs yet. So these veteran guys see something in Booker, and they know that this is a guy they want to hitch their wagon to because they know the potential is sky high with the book. All right, the 35th annual Arizona Renaissance Festival has begun. The Renaissance Festival lasts each weekend until April 3rd, and we're giving you the chance to win a family four-pack of tickets. Just visit the contest page of ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win. Bench Joseph's time in Arizona has come to a close. What names are surfacing in the Cards defensive court? Coordinator search is Wolf and Luke, Tim Ring, and for Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're back, Wolf and Luke, on a Friday. Tim ring in for Luke Lipinski. We are rocking some Cardinals talk and some Suns talk, playing off of what happened yesterday. Two pretty good press conferences in the Valley. That's going to be tough to top. I don't think we've ever had a quite uh, quite a day like that when it comes to press conferences. The Cardinals introduced Jonathan Gannon uh, at 10 a.m., and then the Suns introduced Kevin Durant at 2 p.m. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, I thought... 
You talk about winning the press conference, which I think the old saying that in a quarter gets you a ride on the bus. I don't care about winning the press conference. I With do. You. I do care about what a guy has to say, though. And I thought, I thought John Gannon. And by the way, I like John Gannon. Jonathan's a little nerdy. You I think, like John? Yeah, John Gannon. I, you know what I like? I like JG. 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 JG is good. Hey, what up, JG? Do you know what his son's name is? What? Rocco. 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 <laughs> Rocco. Rocco Gannon. That's good. Now that guy's got. Oh, that's a football. That name guy's right got. Linebacker written all over Rocco him. Gannon. You know, Gannon, you know, John Gannon must have been one tough son of a gun when he played defensive back for Louisville, even though it was a short-lived So career. why do you say that, Tim? Because he looks like he's about 10 pounds lighter than a straw hat. Okay. And to play D1 football and to get a full sure. ride. But then, then again, you're playing in the secondary or you're a corner. Are you give kidding him his, me right Give now? him his props, Wolf. I bet you he was a tough son of a gun. <laughs> not everybody can be 260 like you. I was not 260. Stop it. I only got to 260 after I retired. Um, I was 218 pounds. For the record, basically, I could not put weight on. I could not until I turned 40. Okay, what's your point? What you were saying? Yeah, well, what I was saying was until until Rocco Gannon is yes. old enough to take over as the Cardinals defensive yes. coordinator in 27 years, uh, John Gannon needs to find a defensive coordinator, Wolf, and that that is going to be one of the orders of business. I think he's going to build a whole new staff. All respect to the guys that are still in the building. Uh, John Jonathan Gannon strikes me as like, well, let's get into that first before we talk DCs. Okay. Do you think Jonathan Gannon's going to overhaul the staff completely? Yes. With, with all due respect to the to the fine coaches that are still yes. that are still there. Yes, I do, and there are some excellent coaches that are there. Um, I, I I don't know if it's going to be a hundred percent. And when I say that, I think of Jeff Rogers. I think of Jeff Jeff Rogers, the special teams coach uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. This guy is excellent at what he does, and once you know it, um, you know. It's one of those situations where I, I wonder if a guy like Jonathan Gannon might come in and say, you know what, let me talk to this guy. Let me get to know him a little bit. If he doesn't know him already, let me let me interview him all over again for a special teams coordinator. I think that that's a real possibility because of the job that he's already done, Jeff Rogers, as a coordinator. Yeah, he said he was going to, John Jonathan Gannon did, said he was going to talk to Vance Joseph about, about a spot and... I, I assume that he did take him at his word, but then Josina Anderson, hours later, reports that that Vance would be would be moving on, and it looks like Vance is going to have a couple of interviews interviews lined up. I'm not surprised, Wolf. That and I, I thought. Listen, I, I, just I, say, I thought Vance did a great job yes, with what yes. he had, but I'm not surprised. A defensive minded head coach, former DC with the Philadelphia Eagles is not retaining the previous defensive coordinator. Yes, uh, I am with you on that 100%. Where might Vance Joseph resurface? I don't know, but I can tell you this right now. This guy deserves another gig. He does. He's an excellent coach. I think he's going to get the opportunity to be a head coach again at some point in time. Now, I know that Vance Joseph was going to interview with the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, I would love to see that. The Denver Broncos as well, Interesting enough, Vance Joseph, point two back in Denver, if that were to happen. But I would love to see him get the opportunity to be the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles and that defense that they have up there. Now, I know they're going to be missing some key guys. There's going to be some key guys that they're going to lose via free agency on the defensive side of the ball in particular up in Philadelphia. But I'd love to see 
Vance Joseph get the opportunity to be a defensive coordinator up there because that will put him back on track to be a head coach in the NFL at some point in time. I thought Vance Joseph really came off well on the Hard Knocks episodes, the behind-the-scenes that we saw yes. this past season. Wolf, couple names floating around. And I don't know how deep in the weeds we want to go on these names because, Wolf, I, I just don't know how much intel you have on some of these guys outside of you know, taking a look at their resumes and their coaching trees and whatnot because you don't know. Obviously, they're, they're coaching in different markets, so we want to be fair to these guys. But Dave Borgonzi, uh, currently the linebackers coach of the Bears, reportedly is on the list. We'll interview on Saturday for the D.C. job. And then uh, the linebackers coach out of the uh, New England Patriots, Demarcus Covington, also uh, on the list for a D.C. position uh, with Jonathan Gannon. Your thoughts on those two names off the, off the top? Well, let's see. They're not Mike Zimmer, okay? <laughs> His name is That's still thrown out there. Just saying, it's just it's it's not even fair, of course, to p- compare anybody to Mike Zimmer, the creator of the Blitz Bell. It just it's not even fair to do it. So don't get me started on that. As I geek out a little bit, uh, these guys, I don't know much about Dave Borgonzi. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know much about these guys right here. Demarcus Covington. I, I don't. Um, I, I do like the fact that Marcus Covington comes from the New England Patriots. Anybody that is associated with Bill Belichick um, yeah, as a position coach, as a coordinator, I love as a guy that's going to be your head coach, maybe not so much, okay? Because they always, okay, what would Bill do in this situation? I'm going to act like Bill instead of maybe just being themselves for the most part. They all end up back in New England. That's yeah. the problem, yes. <laughs> So I, I don't know much about these guys, to be fair. But, uh, you know, I'm sure that at some point in time, Jonathan Gannon has got to make a hire, and it's got to be soon. Well, trying to figure out the Mike Zimmer role. If it's not D.C., maybe a special assistant uh, to Jonathan Gannon. I love the idea of a veteran former head coach being a part of the staff. Yeah. And it's not about the age of these guys. We see we see Sean McVay and these younger guys uh, win Super Bowls. It's not about that. But I do I do especially if a guy like Drew Petzing is the offensive coordinator. He's never called plays about 35 years of age. Jonathan Gannon getting his crack at at the big job for the first time. Just turned 40 a few weeks ago. To bring on a seasoned veteran like Mike Zimmer, whether he's the D.C. or a special assistant, Wolf, I just think I think there's value there in experience and a guy who's been there, done that. Just to have that presence in the room on the staff, I think I think would be a tremendous coup for for Jonathan Gannon if he can convince Mike Zimmer to come on board in some capacity. Yeah, no, that that is that's awesome right there because Tom Moore is the guy that I think of immediately right now. Tom Moore, the legendary Tom Moore, who's still, I don't even know how old he is right now, 107 years old. Every time I see him, I tell him that, too. Tom Moore, uh, coached here with Bruce Arians. He's coaching still with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Moore, he is a legend. He's 84. He's 84. 
He's 84. He's 84. He's 84 years old, and he's still coaching. He's still coaching, and he, he, is, he's, he's he is a total piece of work. If you ever get the opportunity to talk to him, based on audience, go ahead and just uh, drum up any kind of conversation with him, especially about history. He loves history, and he'll tell you his view on history, especially NFL history. He knows where all the bodies are buried, if you know what I mean. Tom Moore was the New York Stars offensive coordinator in 1974. <laughs> I've never even heard of the New York Stars. That's exactly that what it was. Be. I, anyways, <laughs> B.A. told me he brought him on as a, as a guy that would be a peer to him. He brought Tom Moore on, a guy that would hold him accountable to me. That's why he did it. And if, if Mike Zimmer, who's 66 years old, Mike Zimmer, if he were brought on, that would be for Jonathan Gannon, who's 40. I'd be like his dad coming on, his coaching dad, if you will. That, that, that'd be fantastic if that ever happened. All right, really, I'm excited to see what Jonathan Gannon's going to do staff-wise because a lot, they're, they're, he's got options. He's got, he's got older gentlemen like Mike Zimmer who are just kind of hanging around out there that maybe he could convince to come on board. And then obviously there's, there's a lot of young coaches looking for promotions uh, that are in the league uh, right now. The Suns dropped their last game before the All-Star break to the Clippers last night. So what happened? What in the heck happened? Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Might turn this one up right here. See. Put your shorts on right now and just start skipping around your compound. It's Bon Scott ACDC too, brother. <laughs> it just kind of makes you smile, doesn't it? Welcome to the Wolf and Luke Show. Tim Ring sitting in for Luke, ladies and gentlemen, on this Friday. The only question you've got to ask yourself is, do you have a three-day weekend coming up? As I hit the ball. Cause I'm I'm dynamite. Get the weekend started early, brother. Um, there is no football game. I'm all fired up. I gotta settle down here. Somebody please put the eye black away. What are we doing in this beautiful part of the program? Phoenix Suns basketball wolf. Ah. I uh I gotta tell you, being up there with the radio team last night. The endorphins were flowing pretty good. The team with Kevin Durant on the on the bench on Tuesday night, they took care of the Kings. The big three were fantastic. Paul Booker at Ayton had the press conference for Durant earlier in the day on Thursday. Yesterday, you just kind of assumed that the good times and the beat would go on Thursday night against the Clippers, and it didn't happen. <laughs> and I got to tell you, Wolf, the... Did you ever have it a did bad not happen. Did you ever have a bad day, Wolf? I'm not talking one of these days where I mean not when stuff really bad happens. I'm just talking one of these days where like you go to pick up your keys and they drop. You you put your toothpaste on the toothbrush and it falls off the toothbrush. You yeah. gotta redo it. Yeah, you know the, the internet, you go to get online and it's uh, you, the internet's down. Oh, like yeah. th- like that kind of crappy day. Oh, yeah. And it all seems to happen and that's what happened last night to Devin Booker and Chris Paul. They and DeAndre Ayton to a certain extent as well. They just had a really bad night. Devin Booker especially. And thank goodness it doesn't happen all that often. 
the the Suns and Booker could not get anything going, and you kept waiting for them to flip the switch and take that game over, and that switch never worked. never flipped. Yeah. They began the game 0 for 6 from the field, 1 for 10 from the field. They were able to tie it and even take the lead a couple of different times, even midway through the third quarter. But the Clippers controlled that game pretty much from the get-go, and they end up winning it at 116-107. Booker and, and Ayton cosmetically finished with 19 and 18, but yeah, oh no! But they did not have the it. Game, they man. did not have impactful nights, and the only reason the Suns were actually hanging around was Josh Okogi was fantastic. But it was not a game that the big three, Paul Booker and Aiton, are going to put in the Basketball Hall of Fame. That, yeah. that was a night to forget. Can I just say, it looked like to me the Suns were feeling the all-star break. (laughs) They they were feeling the all-star break, and the Clippers were not feeling the all-star break, and the Suns were. And then there was this. uh, They were also playing without KD. Uh, put those two things together right there. Look, everybody, it's Kevin Durant. He's walking around the the Suns. He's in the locker room with the Suns. He's working out with them. He's practicing with them. He's just not playing in the game. He's sitting there on the bench for the first game, and all of a sudden we saw the impact that had on everybody. And I mean everybody, like grizzled veterans like Chris Paul right? and Devin Booker and, and DeAndre Ayton. The entire team, we saw the impact that that had. Well, that was all bye-bye for the most part. It was the ultimate getaway game for the Suns. Like, play this game, and then it's over. You're into the all-star break. I think it was almost, Wolf, there was so much energy in that building Tuesday night. There was almost, and I was talking to Vince about it after the game in the in the bowels of the arena. It was almost like there was a bit of a letdown. And no excuses. I mean, you have 82 games to play. You should try to bring the noise, each and every one of them. But it was almost like the Suns just, they just didn't have it last night. Maybe they maybe maybe, maybe they had one foot out the door for the All-Star break. You're, you're, you're probably right. You're definitely right. They played like that. But again, they began the game sleepwalking, and they could never... You kept hoping that okay, you know Booker Booker's gonna gonna turn it up a notch and Paul's gonna turn it up a notch and they're gonna overtake this team, but the Clippers were in control of that game and with five minutes to go in the third quarter, Kawhi Leonard hadn't even scored a point. Yes. But at the five-minute mark, he got to the free-throw line, and that kind of unlocked him. And once he got unlocked, he scored 11 points in the final five minutes of the third quarter, and then he kind of gave the Clippers enough juice to close that game out. So the Suns hit the break fifth in the Western Conference. The Clippers kind of overtake them last night to hop into the fourth spot. But they're a game and a half out of third, and with KD now being injected into the rotation, the way the Grizzlies are playing, Wolf, the second spot is certainly in reach. We got a lot of time to talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. But last night was just, and Chris Paul had five points, and two of them came with 10 seconds to go when the game was already decided. Right. I mean, he basically had a three point night last night. Yes. It was just that kind of night, Wolf. You know what? Also, too, can I just say this, Basin Onions? I really do believe to me the Clippers look like they wanted to send the Suns a Sicilian message, if you know what I mean. They did. I, I thought they came to play. I, and I give them credit for doing that, showing up and playing. And I thought the Suns did look a little distracted. And those two things I've already mentioned, the All-Star break, here it is. We've done a good job. We've turned our season around. We're back in the hunt. And oh, by the way, here comes KD. And yet he's not playing yet. So we all know what that means. Our team is not really together yet. 
and we're waiting. And it, it just kind of looked like we're waiting. Well, we're waiting. Well, right, Judge we're waiting. Yes, it kind of looked like that. And they looked a little distracted where the Clippers, I thought, came in and looked like, okay, there's a little Sicilian message right here. Well, let me tell you something. Luca Brasi. <laughs> Google it, my young crunk. Oh. Let me tell you. Let me tell you this too. The, the Clippers are thirty three and twenty eight. They're four. They're 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 fourth in the West. It's tough to put a gauge on the Clippers because Kawhi and Paul George a little bit, but Kawhi sits out so much. They Wolf. They refortified that roster at the trade deadline. I mean, oh yeah. Now now Eric Gordon can score. We well, had sixteen last night. You know, they they people poo pooed him coming to the Suns. He looked like a guy that could help the Suns last night. I'll tell you that. Mason Plumley, that, that that dude. Yeah, but we got Kevin Durant. So yeah, we, you know I, what right. I mean? Aren't you nitpick? You're, you're nitpicking. No, right but now. Uh, what, what I guess we're out, here's where I'm going with that. There's a lot of talk about who could who could be a factor come playoff time in the West. Yeah, and you 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 and rightfully so. You talk Nuggets, you talk Grizzlies, and you talk Suns. I I may after see what I saw last night. Yes, I, I may elevate the Clippers into that discussion. I, I'm that's, so glad you. That's said where that. I'm going with that. Yes, I'm so glad you said that right there because uh, the Clippers. This is a team to watch down the stretch. And I think they got better at the deadline. They're getting healthy. Once again, this is a team. We'll get a little bit more into this as the show unfolds. But this is a team that I, I there are a lot of NBA analysts out there that I've got a great deal of respect for that like the Clippers as well, especially coming down the, the stretch because of their toughness. Interesting. More on this as the show unfolds. Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and so much more returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Could the Jonathan Gannon hire be the best thing for Kyler Murray? It's Wolf and Luke. Tim Ring in for Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we're back. Wolf and Luke, Tim Ring in for Luke. 1045 on a Friday. The three-day weekend is underway. Three-day weekend for most, I hope. Hope you and yours have a great three-day weekend, whether you're traveling or hanging out here in the Valley. Wolf, let's get back to this John Gannon, JG conversation. Thought he did a great job yesterday. Love the passion out again. Love the fact that he has a plan. Love the fact that he's had a head coaching plan since he was, oh, 21 years old yeah. when he got hurt in college and decided that this is the path that he wanted uh, to take. I also, speaking of plan, and it was, I don't know if it was a throwaway line, but it was something that really struck me yesterday uh, when he was talking about uh, you know, what, he, what he has his eyes on for the Arizona Cardinals going forward. And he's a defensive coordinator, obviously, coming from Philly, but he said succinctly, I know how I want to play offense. Yeah. And some of that is designed, obviously, around Kyler Murray because he knows he's got a, a playmaker, a quarterback. We'll starts get into that. there. Starts, it starts there, especially on this team. Yes. But I also get the sense, no matter who his quarterback would be, he's coming in to be a head coach still knowing exactly how he wants to play on offense. And I say that because a lot of head coaches come from one side of the ball and they, they delegate the other side of the ball to their 
to their coordinator. I like the fact that Gannon came in and said, yeah, I may be a defensive guy, but I know I know how I want to play on offense, and we're going to play that way. Specifically to the Arizona Cardinals, it's going to be built around the talents of our, as Michael Bidwell says, elite quarterback, Kyler Murray. Yeah, and he's right about that. It should be. It's got to be. You've got to build your offense and your scheme around him, but you also have to evolve him, in my opinion. He's got to evolve his game. This is something, it, it all starts with Kyler Murray. It does. He, he needs to learn the game of football all over again. That This is my belief, basically. Nobody has told me this. He needs to learn it all over again. Fall in love with the game all over again. But that need, that means to me, to me, he needs to see it through a different lens. And Jonathan Gannon will help him see it through that lens. That's one of the things I love about this. He is a defensive-minded head coach. That's what he is. Todd Bowles used to tell me all the time, he believed that he could help a quarterback see it a little bit differently. See it from the back end of a secondary. See what a defense is actually trying to, to do to a quarterback and do to an offense and why that would give you better perspective. Todd Bowles believed that, and I believe that as well. Now, again, it's not, it's, it's not going to be a situation where Jonathan Gannon's going to be working with Kyler Murray on a daily basis, sitting there in the quarterback meetings. I don't think so. Sitting there in the offensive meetings. I don't think so. From time to time, of course. But I love the fact that he's got the separation of being a defensive minded head coach. Yet at the same time, he can give Kyler Murray a different perspective on himself. What are the benefits? of having a defensive-minded head coach being Kyler Murray's head coach, that he's not in lockstep with him during the week. I, I, I almost want to use the analogy good cop, bad cop. Well, you just you, said it. Right. I mean, right where the offensive That's coordinator it. can be the, the be the buddy-buddy and the head coach can be the, I'll say it, can be the ass-kicker to Kyler Murray. This is what, listen, I'm the head coach here. You're the franchise quarterback. That's great. But you you play quarterback here. I'm the head coach. I call the shots here. Now, this is, again, this is for me, this is the alpha male. He's got to be the alpha male in the room. I don't know if Jonathan Gannon's going to use the word alpha male. I don't know if he's actually going to use it. I didn't hear it. I did not hear it yesterday, and that made me think he's probably he's probably going to shy away from actually calling himself the alpha male. But ultimately, he knows he's got to be that guy. It can't be a peer coach situation. It cannot be that. It can't. I'm the coach. I can cut you. And again, I'm not talking about him talking to Kyler Murray. I'm just talking about he's got to be that guy, that position of authority inside that room or everything starts to dissolve. But, but when we saw that, and I love Cliff, and I'm a, I'm a Cliff Kingsbury guy. I really am. The guy, I think we're all going to look back at 2021 and marvel that he was able to win 11 games with some of the things that were going on inside the locker room. I think we're going to marvel at it at some point in time. But for me, that was one of his mistakes, is he was more of a peer than he was, I'm the head coach, I'm calling the shots, I'm the alpha male, I'll cut you if you don't do it. You don't have to yell, you don't have to scream, you don't have to wave your arms, you don't have to act like a tough guy. What you got to be is resolute. 
and everyone's got to know when you when you say something, you're going to do it. Period. And if you don't do it, if you're not on board, you're going to be gone. Now, that leads that leads to a, a great question, perhaps conversation for you in the year 2023. Now, not to get into what like Kyler Murray has to worry about getting cut, of course, of but, course. but other players do or should or potentially could be cut. In 2023, can a head coach govern with fear as a tactic the way it was back when you played? Yeah, you know, it, is, that, is that can. still effective? Of course he can. Just don't act like it. <laughs> what do you mean this by is, that? Well, um, okay. Um, I, you know, Bill Belichick. There, there it is right there. Bill never yelled. Never yelled at you. Never screamed at you. Never threatened you. You just knew. But you knew, right? <laughs> you just knew. I, I, I lovingly say this about Bill. Uh, he was a sociopath. <laughs> he just, he, he didn't care. Oh, you, you know, your family he didn't try to pretend that he wanted to hear about your family, didn't want to know about your family, didn't ask you, hey, listen, are you going to get some time with your family? He never said anything that wasn't related to the game of football. But if you didn't do your job, you were gone. And that he was not going to give you a, a pep talk. He couldn't motivate a gnat to fly around a fruit bowl, Tim. He couldn't motivate a gnat to do that, okay? L- let alone get up there and, and motivate a human being to play the game of football because he didn't bring guys in like that. He brought in self-motivators. The bench, Bobby Knight would say that. The bench is the best motivator. Or Lou Holtz. We're not going to have a motivation problem because those who aren't motivated won't be here. <laughs> there you go. Boom. And, that's that's and, Bill. And Bill Belichick is not going to ask you about your family and your kids. He doesn't want to know because that makes it difficult to cut you. If you're a person. And everybody knew it, Tim. Everyone knew he was just cold. He cut the czar of Cleveland. He cut Bernie Kosar in the middle of the season, the czar of Cleveland. You got to remember, Bernie Kosar, when he came out of, of Miami, this guy was a genius, all right? A savant when he came out. And he was from Northeast Ohio, right there in Cleveland. The czar, that's what we called him, the czar of Cleveland, Bernie Kosar. He cut him in the middle of the season. What kind of message do you think that sent to everybody else? How much tough love, Mr. Wedge Buster? Right. How much tough love do you think Kyler Murray needs in that regard, Wolf? Is it it fair or unfair to say that he does? I don't know because if I were working with him on a daily basis, I'd know that inside and out. I would know how to answer that question. I do not know. Jonathan Gannon is going to have to find out, and he's going to have to do it the hard way. And when I say that, it's going to be the only way you can do it. In this situation, which is the hard way, every day, get in front of them, and here we go. This is what we're going to do. And that's the only way you can figure out, can we work with this guy? Well, I have to be able to work with this guy. But let's see how it goes. And I think schematically, I am excited to see how he uses Kyler Murray between the lines. We can talk about... We can talk about off the field, study habits, motivation, leadership. But you're right, Wolf. We're not in that building. They're going to have to figure oh, that man. out. See, but yeah. what we see between the lines, we're gonna. it's our enjoyment. 
right? Yes. You call the yes. games with Dave. Yes. I watch the games and I talk about them afterwards right here yes. on this radio station. How he utilizes and deploys Kyler Murray. Is it going to look like Jalen Hurts? Yes. Is it going to look different than what Cliff did? We're going to find out. What do you think he's going to do with Kyler? It's going to be really interesting. The The place to start is with Kyler himself. Um, my old coach used to say, Basinonians, he needs to see through the looking glass. I don't have time to go into it right now, but I, I will go into it. The next time we talk about this, I'll go into this in more detail. As a matter of fact, this is where we're going to start that beautiful part of the program. When we talk about Jonathan Gannon and the influence he'll have on Kyler Murray, we need to start with the looking glass, as my old coach used to say. And what it means to see through the looking glass, as opposed to looking at the looking glass, if you know what I mean. All right, Maloney, write it down. The looking glass, coming up later in the show. Is it championship or bust for the Suns after acquiring KD? You'll hear what Duran had to say at his presser yesterday. Next, it's Wolf and Luke. Tim ring in for Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.